How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we're going to be talking about how to change your brain. So you're going to learn the leading science of understanding what the brain is, how it works, and why it's so important to know how to program it. We're going to talk about why most of us get trapped in self-defeating thoughts, actions, and habits, and we're going to teach you how to break out of those self-defeating thoughts, actions, and habits. And I'm going to give you a couple quick tricks that will change your brain forever just while you're listening to this podcast. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, and all of, uh, for all of our Sidlik fans out there, if you've gotten any value from our shows, uh, please don't forget to go to sidlikbook.com, S-Y-D-L-I-C book. Dot com to opt in and be notified when the pre-sale for the Shit You Don't Learn in College book opens up August 23rd. It will be an absolute game changer. Everybody who buys the book during this pre-sale launch period will get over $3,000 in bonus trainings and programs uh, that will go along with everything you learn in this podcast, everything that you learn in the book. Uh, so you'll want to head over to sidlikbook.com to check it out now. All right, now let's dig into the show. Okay, so just to give you a little bit of context, because I think context is incredibly important when we're talking about the brain. Um, did you know, actually, let me ask you, do you know what percent of your brain is conscious or unconscious? Do you know? Do you have any idea? It's 95% of your brain is actually subconscious, according to a study that was done in Auburn University. That means 5% of your brain is actually the conscious thinking you. Now, this is a little bit of an ego blow if you think about it. You are only 5% of a real person. The rest of you is subconscious, unconscious, habitual actions. Um, you know, So they say 50 to 90% of our actions are actually habitual. How we think, what we say, how we respond to situations. Think about it, right? Like the last time that you were brushing your teeth, were you really thinking about how you were brushing your teeth? Probably not, right? Or you maybe if you make the same breakfast every day, were you really thinking about how you were making breakfast? Probably not. Or driving to work? No, you're really on autopilot. When you think about it, driving to work, you're operating a multiple thousand pound machine and you're not even thinking about how you're driving to work. You're sipping your latte, you're on the phone, you're listening to music. You're doing all this sort of stuff at the same time because it's habitual, right? Now think about why this was so important as evolutionary man. So as evolutionary man, if you think about it, humans are the only uh, animal with a brain-to-body ratio the size that we have. Our brain-to-body ratio is larger than any other any other mammal or uh, animal on the planet, right? Now, the downside to this, for anybody who's in the health and wellness space, you know that the brain uses a lot of energy. So the brain only takes up, you know, something like 3 to 5% of our actual mass, but 
it takes up about 30 to 50% of the energy that we consume is all consumed by our brain. So these really big uh, processing units in our brain come with a really uh, uh, negative uh, big negative when it comes to evolution, right? So obviously, evolutionarily, we require a lot more energy than most other animals to think. And so because of this, the brain had to figure out a way to uh, to lower its energy consumption because if it was always thinking, if it was always having to be conscious about what it was doing, we would die, right? There, would, there wouldn't be enough food in the world to, to be able to keep us going without us you know, starving ourselves because we consume too much energy. So you are actually inherently lazy. Your brain wants to turn off and it wants, it, it, what it does is it, records these patterns that it sees throughout life, and then it turns those into automatic recordings in what we call our subconscious mind, these habitual processes where we're not actually thinking about what happens, it just happens. And that requires a lot less energy. Think of it like a program that's running in the background of your main processing system that doesn't require a lot of energy, right? So this all makes sense, but the big problem with this is most of us are never taught how our brain actually works. And that 95% of our brain is like a supercomputer. It's constantly being programmed, right? Now, if you're aware of this, then you can be the one who's programming it. But for most of us, that subconscious brain is constantly being programmed by things around us, like media, our mass media, society, the news, uh, politics, um, our parents growing up. So, so that 95% of our brain is being programmed by a lot of things and people that probably don't have your best interest in mind, right? And we wonder why we struggle to hit our goals when 95% of our brain, 1920ths of our most powerful tool that we have, it was programmed by somebody other than ourselves. I want you to think of it this way, right? Say you have a big goal. You have a big goal and it is, uh, it's, it's north. It's ahead of you in the north. And you've got five horses. You've got a chariot with five horses on it. And these horses are like, thoroughbreds. These are like beasts of, of horses. Like, and, and you're on this chariot with these five beasts of horses and you're going to go all out towards your goals, right? And you happen to be chained to 95 donkeys. Now these donkeys could be weak. These donkeys could be dumb. These donkeys could be whatever, but these donkeys were programmed not to move. These donkeys were programmed to sit there lazily, or they, even worse, maybe they were programmed to go the other direction. They were programmed to go south. Now, do you think those five horses that are trying to run towards your goals are going to ever make it there if they're chained to 95 donkeys that are running the other direction or even just sitting there doing nothing? No. The 95 donkeys will win every single time. So what the, the most important thing that I want you to understand here is that your brain, right, that 95% of your brain, you need to take responsibility for it and you need to start to program it, okay? So Carol Dweck, uh, she's a PhD from Stanford. She wrote a book called The Mindsets, right? And in it, she talks about the two different mindsets, the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Most of us go through daily life with a fixed mindset. It's this idea that our, our skills are our talents are innate. They're, they're, you know, we're dealt a hand when we're born, and that's the hand that we have for the rest of our lives. And most people with a fixed mindset, what Carol Dweck found is most people with a fixed mindset are left unsuccessful, unhappy, unfulfilled because they, they, they're, they're blaming other people because they think, oh, I was dealt this hand. This is, where, uh, this is just where I belong. Now, there's the people with the growth mindset who know that, yeah, I may be dealt a certain hand, but whatever hand I'm dealt, if I'm, you know, if I'm dealt a uh, an eight out of 10 in some area or expertise, great. But if I'm dealt a three, 
And that area is something I'm really passionate about and want to be better at. I can learn and grow and develop it into a four, a five, a six, a seven with constant work commitment over time, right? Now, Carol Dweck, when she found this, she found that the most successful people in the world really embodied this growth mindset, the ability to learn and develop, right? Jim Quick, the coach to the stars like, uh, like Will Smith, Hugh Jackman, uh, he's the brain trainer. Um, he's the guy that, that helps them, you know, learn and, and memorize these scripts and, and be, uh, you know, the best actors they can be. And what he says, what he found is that your brain is like a muscle, right? There's a whole study done with taxi drivers in London where uh, when they first started, they measured the size of their hippocampus, the area of the brain that, that, uh, that focuses on memory. And when they became taxi drivers over the course of one, two, three, and four years, they saw that their hippocampus slowly increased in firmness and size to the point where it was almost double four years later, right? So your brain is actually a muscle, but just like any muscle, if you don't work it, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? So I want to tell you a little story about when I was seven years old. When I was seven years old, I was, uh, I remember this, I was, I was in class and I was actually told that I was the slow kid. So I was actually told I was slow. I took an IQ test uh, and I had, a, I had a lower than average IQ and I was told uh, by the staff that I was going to be held back in second grade, okay? Um, now, most people, when I tell them today, like, hey, do you guys think I'm the dumb kid? Do you guys think that I'm the slow kid? Everybody's like, no. Right. But I was the slow kid when I was seven years old. And uh, I remember when they told my parents this, they, you know, they thought I was slow. And she, my, my mom's amazing. She's absolutely loving. And she goes, oh, it's okay. He's cute. He'll, he'll make it by in life anyways. It doesn't matter if he's a little bit slow. <sighs> Thanks. Thanks, mama. Um, I love you, but that didn't help. <laughs> so my teacher, I still remember my teacher, Linda LaGrange. Now, Linda, bless her heart. She passed away from cancer a few years, uh, a few years ago, but she told me, she said, Xander, do you, do you want to be smart? And I've thought about it. And I remember thinking about it. And I said, yes, I, I do want to be smart. And she said, Xander, if you want to be smart, you're going to have to work really hard at it. And she planted this belief. When I was in second grade, she planted, it, she planted this belief that intelligence was not something that was given to me. It was something that was cultivated. It was something that was grown. And that belief transformed my life and it, it became a part of who I am today because in second grade, I remember working my ass off. I remember working so hard because I did not want to be the dumb kid. And I remember passing second grade. And then I remember passing third grade and fourth grade and fifth grade and sixth grade. And by the time I went to middle school, I was actually taking math at the high school. By the time I went to high school, I was finishing up high school math and actually taking college calculus. By the time I finished high school, I had finished with all of my math and physics for my engineering degree at UCLA. That was all from the slow kid at seven years old. So what I want you to realize right now is whatever hand you were dealt, the most important thing is that today you realize you can change your brain, okay? So that being said, I want to help you understand a little bit more about the brain as well. So really, uh, you know, once we understand that 95% of our brain is subconscious, I'm going to show you how to reprogram it in just a second here. But the second thing I want you to be aware of is that our brain actually has two operating systems. There's two operating systems that impact the brain, okay? Now, you're familiar with the first one. It's called the intellectual operating system, right? Everybody's familiar with the intellectual operating system. It's closely associated with intelligence or IQ, right? There's actually a second operating system, which some of you might be a, a, a more aware of. And it's called the emotional operating system, which is closely tied to EQ, right? Now, what's really interesting is a lot of us have heard the idea of EQ, but we have not 
really understood the fact that both IQ and EQ are two halves of the same coin. They are two parts of the brain. Now, most people, I want you to think about it, right? Think about what, what was your connotation? What was your connotation of emotions growing up? Think about it for a second. What was your connotation of emotions growing up? Were you, you know, were any of those people that was told, you know, emotions are weak, emotions are, are, uh, are feminine, or they're not good, don't show your emotions, don't cry, you know, any of those things? Well, you were essentially told to turn off half of your brain. You're operating as half of a person if you do not allow yourself to master emotions. So there was a study that was done by the Globe, and they found that uh, emotional connotation, the ability to have a, high, a decently high EQ, uh, was only, uh, only apparent in about 36% of the population. One-third of people possess clear emotional intelligence, while two-thirds of people actually do not possess clear emotional intelligence. And part of that is because our society has... Uh, created this belief that emotional intelligence is not that important. But the reality is people with average IQs but high EQs outperform the high IQ testers 70% of the time in this same study. So high EQ outperforms high IQ 70% of the time. And what they found was top talent, right? Top talent, 90% of high performers have a, a high EQ. So high EQ is actually more closely related to your uh, your overall performance and success in life than your intelligence. But most of us operate as half of a person. So the first exercise that I want you to do, if you feel like you are in that two-thirds of people that does not have a strong uh, emotional capability, or maybe you've kind of turned off that link to your emotional understanding, or if you know that you need to deepen that emotional understanding. Now, I was never, I was never emotionally unintelligent, right? But I was an engineer, growing up. So I had a very strong left brain, a very strong intellect that powerfully overwhelmed my my EQ, my emotional intelligence. It wasn't that I was emotionally inept, right? It was just that that was never that muscle was never flexed as much as the intelligence, the IQ, right? And so when I first started being uh, being an entrepreneur, this was something that I had to consciously work on over and over. And one of the exercises that I would do regularly is I would do emotional journaling every day. So every day I would literally actually be at the end of the day. At the end of the day, I would do what's called emotional journaling and I would just journal rather than waking up and journaling what I did throughout my day. So I, you know, instead of going, you know, I woke up, uh, I got out of bed, I went to the bathroom, I, I meditated, I did some breath work, I, uh, you know, drank some water, then I went to the gym. So rather than doing it that way, I would journal the emotion that I felt throughout the day. And I would do this at the end of my day to start to associate deeper associations with my emotions to be able to identify them faster and have more emotional intelligence. So what I would do, I would literally just take out a piece of paper and I'd write awake, uh, tired, anxious, frustrated, uh, hungry, grounded, strong, ready, anxious, nervous, sad. And I would just, I would just journal the emotions that I felt throughout the day and I would go through my entire day and it would take me about five minutes, but it started to help me connect to my emotions more. And it, what it did is it started me, it started me realizing that I had so much more potential when I could leverage the emotional intelligence that I had than trying to turn it off. So if you feel like you need to start getting better at emotional intelligence, that is a great place to start. Um, now when it comes to programming the brain, why this is so important, right? I'll tell you why the emotional half of our brain is so important is because we program our brain through two things, right? That subconscious part of our brain, that, that 95% of our brain, oops, 
getting a spam dial right now because I forgot to put my phone on silent. Bad Xander. Um, so uh, that that ninety five percent of our brain is programmed by two things. It's programmed by repetition and emotion. Right? It's programmed by repetition and emotion. So you know, think about when you were growing up, if your parents told you, no, you can't do something over and over and over again, or they said, they said the same thing over and over and over again, that created a deep groove in your subconscious mind, right? The other thing you can think of is, uh, think about, uh, does everybody remember where they were when they found out about 9-11, right? Think about where you were when you found out about 9-11. Now, you may have been, you may have been uh, at school, or you may have been at work, or you may have been at home, wherever you were. Think about where you were. Think about the details. You remember who was there, what, what, you know, what it was like, how you felt. Do you remember how you found out, right? I do. I remember I was at home. It was before school. I was in like seventh grade. And I remember seeing it on TV. And I remembered laughing because I thought it was a joke. And then I, and then I went, oh my God, this is real. And then I felt so guilty for laughing because I realized that it was real. I thought it was a joke, right? And I remember the deep emotion of that. Now, think about that. Were you thinking about 9-11 before I just brought up 9-11? No, of course not. But it was so emotional for so many of you. And, and maybe some of you guys listening to this weren't, you know, weren't old enough to remember 9-11. But think back on something. You can think back on something that may have happened to you at a really young age. Think about, you know, think about the, the first time you ever felt scared. Think of that emotion and think about the first time you ever felt scared. Go, go back to the earliest you can remember feeling scared. And I bet you could bring something up. Why? Because that emotion creates a deep, deep subconscious groove in our brains, right? And what happens, what happens when we do that is, you know, our brains have been uh, heavily programmed by the past and the emotions that we've been through. So not allowing yourself to be emotionally intelligent and move through emotions is one of the biggest programming factors to why people's brains actually get programmed negatively, right? So when you're told, oh, don't feel something or don't do something, that emotion, the word emotion itself, emote, e to eject, mote to move through. Emotions are meant to move through us. But if we do not allow ourselves to move through emotions, where does that emotion go? Well, we turn it off from the 5% conscious and it just goes and marinates in the 95% subconscious. And it creates negative patterns, negative beliefs, all this programming in our subconscious that, you know, programs those 95% of the, you know, the 95 donkeys that are running the wrong direction. And this is all done by not allowing yourself to move through emotions. So I want to tell you a story of when I was five years old, you know, I've done a lot of this deep subconscious work. And when I was five years old, um, you know, I, the, the, when I was going through a subconscious process, I found out, you know, I was five years old and I was having a conversation with my mom and she was telling me to go clean up the leaves in the front yard. And I didn't want to because the sprinklers had just gone off, so the leaves were wet, so I wanted to wait till they were dry. But being a five-year-old kid, I didn't know how to communicate that properly to my mom, so I said, no. And she goes, Xander, go clean up the leaves in the front yard. And I go, no, right? And I'm like, why is she not getting this? Why doesn't she not understand? Because I couldn't communicate that well as a five-year-old. And she said, Xander, go do it now or you're not getting dessert or something like that, right? And so I stormed off, and I ran into the bathroom, and I slammed the door behind me, and the door handle broke. Crack right? Now I'm stuck in the bathroom as a five-year-old kid. Now, as a 33-year-old you know, man-child that I am today, I think that's hilarious, right? But as a five-year-old kid, it was life-threatening to me. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to run out of air, right? So this wasn't actually a life-or-death situation, but my emotions ran crazy, right? And that moment created such a pivotal emotion for me. It created this idea, if I push for my way, 
It'll put me in a life or death situation. So even when I know I'm right, I should never push for my way. And that's a belief that I created as a five-year-old kid. Most of our beliefs, most of our subconscious programming happens between the ages of three and eight. And most of it is completely illogical. But that three to eight-year-old version of us is the one at the helm of the ship that we are today. The 33-year-old Xander, his decisions, 95% of his decisions were dictated by three to eight-year-old Xander until you start to go move through those emotions and move through those programmings, right? Now, you know, I know today as an entrepreneur, you know, if I know something's right, like I need to make sure it's done right and I need to make sure to stand in my power and, and tell that to people, right? But had I never gone through this work to like really feel through those past emotions and that past programming, I would never, ever be able to actually do that because it would have been deeply buried in there and I would have just behaved a certain way and never understood why. So the, one of the most important things that I want to have you do today when it comes to making sure that your brain is programmed the right way, you need to learn how to feel through emotions. Otherwise, they will create deep conscious grooves. As we continue forward in life, we will always be faced with hard things. We will be faced with breakups, divorces, losing loved ones. We'll be faced with no's in business and rejections and being fired. We'll be, we'll be faced with so many negative things. But if we do not allow ourselves to move through the emotions necessary... Every single one of those things will create a deep subconscious groove that will cause us to behave a certain way in the future that will be self-defeating. So how do you program yourself moving forward? Number one, you need to move through the crap. You need to feel the shit, sit in the negative. Now, this is terrifying for a lot of people. Why? Because, well, frankly, nobody likes feeling shitty emotions, right? But the worst part is we start to identify with them, right? Instead of, so we say, we say, I'm afraid, or I'm, I, I am guilty, or I am resentful. And we start to identify with our feelings. The reality is we are not our emotions. We have emotions, but we are not our emotions, right? We need to start to identify your emotions as just something that's moving through us. I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling angry. Those are all okay, because I'm not an angry person, but I can feel angry every now and then. That's totally fine. Right? I'm not a negative person, but I can feel negative every now and then. That's totally fine. It's just going to move through me. So we want to identify as a good person, but we want to allow our emotions to move through us. That's number one, right? Because if you do not start to move through the crap, number two will never work. So number two is something that a lot of people who, anybody who's been in self, you know, some form of self-development knows this, but it's visualizations and affirmations, right? Like we talked about, the subconscious mind is programmed through two things emotion and repetition. This is why things like visualizations and affirmations are so powerful, right? So you can you can do any research you want. You could just Google how to do visualizations and affirmations. You can find a ton of stuff about this. Um, we've done a couple of uh, podcasts around it as well. We're going to have a lot more coming out, a ton in the book in uh, sidlickbook.com. So if you're interested in getting our book, S-Y-D-L-I-C book.com. You can order it pre-sale now. We go deep into how to put together affirmations and visualizations to make sure that they work. Um, but affirmations and visualizations only work if you clear out the negative first, right? So think about this. If you have a bunch of shit in your subconscious and you go gold-plated it with a bunch of affirmations and visualizations, well, it's just a gold-plated pile of shit. You need to get the shit out first before you can you know, turn something into gold, right? And that's what allows us that's going to be what allows us to create that subconscious mind. We're going to get those 95 donkeys and we're going to turn them into thoroughbreds and we're going to get them all running north toward your goal so that you can actually be successful. So that's all we have for today's show. Don't forget that knowledge without action yields nothing. So make sure to implement what you've learned here with us. 
And for all of our Sidlick fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to sidlickbook.com, S-Y-D-L-I-C book.com to opt in and be notified when the pre-sale for Shit You Don't Learn in College opens uh, August 23rd. It will be an absolute game changer. Everyone who buys the book during our pre-sale launch will get over $3,000 in bonus trainings and programs. And they're spectacular bonus trainings and programs. Go check them out. Um, so you'll want to head over to sidlickbook.com and check it out now. And I'll see you on the other side. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.